0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a special guest onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm your host, Jim Saunders, and joining me on the podcast is Sam Cook. Did I say that right? You said that perfectly. Thank you, Jim. I'm so glad. I've messed up so many guest's last names. Like They will tell me. And then... I'll say it, and I'll overthink it in my head, and then it doesn't come out right. Uh-huh. Well, but, in the spirit of Mr. Rogers, there's no shame here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So how is your week going, Sam? I haven't seen you recently. I know. it's It's been a little while. Yeah. Uh,
1: it has been a beautiful week here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. We've had some lovely sunshine, which mm-hmm. I have been enjoying uh as of i yeah yeah i take i take the ferry every morning Mm -hmm. and uh yesterday morning I i was i was on the early one it was still dark outside and jupiter was just to the left and above the moon and it was it was breathtaking and i have this experience a lot on ferries if there's something beautiful happening in this happening in the sky like a sunrise or a sunset or or like Birds are doing something cool, or sometimes there's even orcas in the water. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, why isn't everyone freaking out right now? Like Jupiter is right there. It's beautiful, and that was a gift. So I'm I'm grateful this week for the beauty of this region, which I've lived my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for great conversations with friends and school and in life and work and everything. Yeah. How about you? How's That's how are you doing?
0: Very heartfelt and emotional. I'm I'm doing well. You're welcome to my life. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm doing well. I think this week has been a little bit stressful just Mm -hmm. because being a student, it's inevitable. I have midterms coming up. I had a big quiz yesterday that ended up going great, but I was still didn't feel completely prepared, but it ended up, you know, turning out Mm -hmm. really well. What was it for? Uh, My econ class. Okay. Sounds boring. (laughs) 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 I find it. I find it interesting. personally, But uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I understand that. Sure. Um, the, yeah, the weather's been amazing. Uh-huh. I, this is the first time that I just decided not to wear a coat, and it's been great. Nice. I haven't really felt super cold. Well, I do enjoy feeling more cold than, yeah? than warm most Where of the are you time. from? Uh, here. Yeah? yeah? Seattle area? It, well, Ren, but still Pacific okay. Northwest. Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. I lived in Burien for the, my first year here, and uh, so I, I like South Seattle a mm-hmm. lot. I, I miss living there. Too.
0: How long have you been in Washington State?
1: Um, I moved up here uh, for for grad school almost three years ago. I'm in my third year of grad school of four. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting my Master of Divinity uh, at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. So uh, as a Master of Divinity, I will have um, uh, become a full-fledged uh, level seven wizard, <laughs> I don't know, no, it's a, it's a theology degree, um, mm. but I, I, love, I love the title Master of Divinity. To have mastered divinity is something that I will, I will carry for the rest of my life after mm. this year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You could add that to your,
0: your stat list. Exactly. You are, you are the, the Wizard of Divinity. The Master, the master. of Divinity. That's right. <laughs> that is right. Mm. So we actually met, I don't know if we have a lot of time to mention this, but we actually met at a little place on campus called the Wesley Club, mm-hmm. which Check is... Out very pro LGBTQ campus ministry we meet every Tuesday well the the place is open mm-hmm. 10 to 6 every mm-hmm. weekday but every Tuesday we have supper church and it's just a great place to find a community on campus if you haven't found that already and it's just it's just a really wholesome yeah. A great place to be, yeah. if you know you're feeling lost or just mm-hmm. you need a greater sense of community. Place, I, I, I'm really glad I started going this year. Yeah, me yeah. too.
1: I, so I, I'm on staff at Wesley Club, mm-hmm. and really, I think just mentioning it mentioning it is a great entry point into Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood mm-hmm. because it's it's a place that has Christian roots and inspiration for its way of being, but. Is not interested in the Christianity that so many of us has experienced. That is, um, that's that's a, about uh, villainizing of queer folks mm-hmm. and uh, and like the the way that Christianity has become embroiled with white supremacy and and so many things that uh, that really are are, are a, a plague on our, our society and culture for so many of us. But Wesley is a place that's interested in welcoming all people, uh, regardless of their race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, and, and mm-hmm. all that. And, uh, and I, 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 I've come to love it in the, all the ways that it embodies the kind of radical love and hospitality that Mr. Rogers lived by. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, I mean, one of the reasons why Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was my favorite movie of 2019 Uh, It's just because I'm biased for my my love for Mr. Rogers and everything that he represents. And yeah, I think um, I grew up Christian, but I never really had any good pastors when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And and I realized from watching this movie that Mr. Rogers really was my first pastor. And it was through his his television program uh, that I, I found a kind of attunement that I didn't find with the leaders of the church that I was growing up in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm curious Jim if uh if if you're too young to to have watched Mr. Rogers when you were growing up if, or
0: if there were reruns or anything when you were watching PBS as a kid. It was something that I was always aware of. I always knew mm-hmm. who Fred Rod- Rogers was, but it was never something that was a a, a consistent presence yeah. in my life, especially when it comes to my, you know, interaction with television. He was not the person that he was for so many people mm. and I think that's really unfortunate but also I'm I mean for me anyway but it's incredibly fortunate for everybody who grew up with him yeah because as you know Mr. Rogers who was a devout Christian and a minister who was spreading these messages of peace and of love for all people and you know treating children Like they hadn't the intelligence that they actually had, Mm -hmm. I think is something that nobody else was doing Mm -hmm. at the time in in children's entertainment. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think he had such an uncanny way of bringing such difficult topics to the forefront. He didn't just leave things be. There's the one classic episode that um, was him with the um, the African American police officer dipping their Mm -hmm. toes into the same pool. I think that was like it's such powerful yet subtle ways of spreading these positive messages. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah. was also
1: closeted at the time? Uh, the actor who played that character was, mm-hmm. and uh, was able to share that with Mr. Rogers. And and it's sad that uh, just given the time and uh, the the like obligations to like the studio and everything at that time. That wasn't a thing that uh, they could share publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mr. Rogers um, was still invested in that guy. I can't remember his name.
0: Francois Clemens was his real name. Clemens, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, because all of the actors had their real mm-hmm. names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's like uh, uh, when Lloyd asked Rogers, and the first time he asked interviewing him, where he's talking about the character. That Fred Rogers plays, Mister mm-hmm. Rogers, because uh, it's it's so hard to believe that yeah. someone could actually be that kind.
0: Yeah, and Fred's just kind of taken aback, like, "Well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like this this is just who I am." And yeah. I think throughout the movie, it's it's kind of funny because it plays with the dynamic between Lloyd and Fred. It really gives you this perspective, like, "What is like this guy is real? Like, mm-hmm. how is this guy?" so kind and he al- he would always give and would always give Lloyd like his undivided attention when mm-hmm. they were interviewing and mm-hmm. I love how it frames this story through Lloyd because mm-hmm. um, I always going into this I, I'm i like a little averse to typical biopics because I think they're kind of all the same but I think what director Mario Heller does with this is something like so human and so different and so beautiful because she frames it through the story of Lloyd Vogel, who was a real-life journalist, award-winning journalist, um, who worked for... Esquire. Yes, worked for Esquire yeah. magazine.
1: And that's not, a, not, that's not the, the actual real-life person's name. Again, I, I forgot it. It's John something... But it's, it's based on yep. that yep. his man's life. And and, um, and the real article that he wrote, yes. which, is, which is a great one. You mm-hmm. should link it in the show notes or something.
0: Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely link it down below. But it it was basically supposed to be uh, just a, like a 500-word blurb about mm-hmm. real-life heroes and Fred Rogers being one of them. And he looks at this. He's, he's very cynical, and he looks at this and is like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't do pieces like this. Yeah so he from the from the get go he has this sort of um like detested mindset about it and i think it's used so well for just him to explore his own trauma and his own issues mm-hmm. with his father and just all the scenes I, I loved how it humanized fred rogers also i feel like i'm a bit scattershot right now mm, that's but funny. um it's sort of how i get when i like <laughs> i'm not trying to be super emotional but Whenever I think of this movie, I always think of the one scene where they're in his apartment, mm-hmm. and Lloyd asks Fred, like, "How do you cope with, with the burden? With the
1: burden of all these people putting all of their their burdens mm-hmm. on you?"
0: At first, he avoids the question. He just completely mm-hmm. goes off and is trying to play with his puppets. And at the very end of the movie, I guess spoiler alert, but not really. Um, <laughs> You see him because he's meant, he mentions like oh there, there are things uh, that you can do to to I guess cope with the your hurt and your anger. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it's at, it's at the end of this one taping of a of a show. All the other crew members have filed out, and he's just on a piano, and you you see him playing, and then he smashes all the low keys <laughs> a couple times. You can tell he's frustrated, and then. Mm. Uh, all the lights come down and that's how that movie ends mm. so i think it's for a lot of people fred rogers had been such a otherworldly like modern myth kind mm-hmm. of figure you're like how is this guy even real but he still is so human yeah. despite everything i think it's really goes to show like you know this guy is human you know we're all human can't we all be a little better i think that's such a mm-hmm. smart way to to frame that and to, to give that message of, like, Mm. actual kindness and acceptance and forgiveness. Yeah.
1: It reminds me of the scene when Lloyd first meets uh, Joanne, uh, Mm -hmm. Fred's wife, and uh, he asks her the question, what's it like uh, being married to a living saint? And her response is so perfect that, like, she hates that word, that idea about Fred, because she knows all the ways that he's human Mm -hmm. and all the ways that he's perfect. But not just that. She also knows that he is on another level <laughs> of emotional awareness and intelligence that he invites other people to and makes room for them and offers like all kinds of gifts of attunement and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we consider him such a saint, it makes his way of being unattainable, mm-hmm. uh, which really, I mean with all of the attention that Mr. Rogers has gotten in this last year or two between this, the documentary last year, uh, there's a great, um, podcast called Finding Fred. Have you heard of it? Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. They, so Francois Clemens, the, the guy who plays the police officer, there's a great interview in there where he talks about his relationship with Fred. Um, the whole thing is, is fantastic. But anyways, um, yeah, with all this attention that Mr. Rogers is getting, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, i'm I have, I'm of two minds about it because I'm thankful for it because he's such a personal hero of mine, and I think there's great potential for focusing on his character and how it can transform all of us and mm-hmm. our, our, our world and this culture um, to be more kind and loving but also i'm I'm wary of how it's making a, a making a saint out of a man who struggled and was imperfect and had to, and had to work. Mm-hmm. For the man that he was, yeah, and and I, I what I hope, uh, at least, I don't know those of us who are who are committed to to being healers in the world or to being helpers in the way that Mister Rogers uh, hoped for us to be, that we can commit to that work like he is, mm-hmm. like he did, do our best to be good in the ways that he was able to be, mm-hmm. even in all of his uh,
0: complicatedness. Yeah. And that's why I'm really fortunate that this movie does humanize him. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that that's what people are actually taking away from this movie. Yeah. is because by putting someone on a pedestal still like that, not only does that put so much weight and so much pressure on that person who's being idolized, but also uh, which this movie gets into. Also, it makes, like you said, it makes their way of living seem unattainable. Mm-hmm. And I hope people don't walk out of a movie like this or walk out of will Should Be My Neighbor?" saying, mm-hmm. like, oh, Fred Rogers was just a great which he was. He was a great man. But also that you can be like Fred Rogers. Yeah. It takes work, and it takes, it, it, it takes so much commitment.
1: I, so I'm, like, training to be a pastor uh, and a theologian, not a pastor of a church so much, but a, a pastor of, of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I go to a school with, that trains pastors and therapists. And I've, I've wondered a lot, like, what's the difference between being a pastor and a therapist, ultimately? At least, like, being a good pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of bad pastors out there. There's also a lot of bad therapists. But ultimately, I, like, th- it's, a, it's a care profession that, that both of these are. Mm-hmm. Like, hopefully what we're doing is uh, helping people deal with their emotions in positive ways. And I I don't think I ever really got it, the difference between being a therapist and being a pastor, until I saw this movie, until I saw Mr. Rogers living his life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I realized that what I'm training to do is uh, a much taller task than I realized. Right? I think being a pastor, at least in the way that Mr. Rogers did... Um, it's about organizing your life in such a way where you can sustain radical presence, uh, where every person that you're talking to, um, you have managed to create a system of support around you where the most important thing is always the person across from you. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if, if any of us are inspired to be like Mr. Rogers, whether we're pastors or therapists, or economists, or whatever—like it's going to look different for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what, what Mr. Rogers invites us to is to know what we feel and know what we can do with that, and how stressful it can be to be people that have emotions mm-hmm. uh, and 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 have to relate to other people in our day-to-day lives. I think I'm I'm lucky in that. Uh, because i i'm in the same profession as mr rogers i can really like take on after what i see in him and try to model myself after him
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think for other people it might be different being a healer and a helper in the world for uh, an economist or uh, i don't know that's probably not what you want to be i don't know <laughs> uh, i don't know what i want to be yet yeah maybe a lawyer oh cool yeah for a lawyer that's like perfect example have you seen just mercy I have not yet, no. I liked it. It's a, pretty, it's a more standard biopic, so maybe you mm-hmm. wouldn't like it as much. But, uh, yeah, no, I think being in touch with your emotions is a simple thing, but a hard thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's,
0: it's a noble calling. I think it's, it's one thing to know how you feel, and another thing to actually deal with those feelings. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. One take that I have on this, uh, on, on A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is that it, it's an antidote for toxic masculinity. I think uh, Lloyd, he... So, Mr. Rogers gives him tools to deal with three of his selves. Uh, to deal with his future self in the form of his father, Jerry. Uh, to deal with uh, his present self, Lloyd. And to learn what it is to relate again to his younger self. To, to Gavin, so I think um, the moment, uh, the crucial point in the movie is the conversation that he has with his wife when they're walking Gavin in the park. Uh, this is after he, after his his dad had the heart attack and he ditched him to go to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, to to keep working on his article. Uh, but when he's able to just communicate in the in the most simple but in the hardest way. Uh, that sometimes, when I'm scared. I get angry, and I know that sometimes that looks like I want you to go away, but that's the opposite of I want of what I want. Mm-hmm. I want you to be here. I want to be with you. I want to be with Gavin. And this is hinted at earlier on when he's watching uh, Mr. Rogers being interviewed by Oprah on the TV while he's researching for the article, and uh, and he says the the biggest mistake that we make as parents or as adults is we forget what it was like to be a child. Uh, and I I love that moment when suddenly the camera turns on Gavin, and Lloyd just looks so like overwhelmed, bewildered, with like the reality that he has this little him here in his arms mm-hmm. uh, as a window into who he used to be. Right, and that's that's important work for for all of us I think uh, to learn to love our past selves. Uh, a lot of times I think we hate. Who he used to be, mm-hmm. uh, and and want to get as far away from that as possible, uh, but that is is uh, tender, beautiful, and sometimes impossible work. Then just um, yeah, I, I, like the way that he hates Jerry so much so so early on, uh, I think there's um, there's fear there of who who he's terrified that he could be someday become. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He because I I think. The fear that he's unconscious of for most of the movie is uh, he hates Jerry because he's terrified that someday he might treat Gavin the way that he was treated. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, yeah, is truly a terrifying thought because his his dad was horrible to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's also a story that it's never too late. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, As uh, as Jerry says, and I think it's his last words in the movie where he says that he's just now starting to figure out how to live his life, which is stunning and heartbreaking and, um, and lovely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah, Jerry Vogel, Chris Cooper. This is um, the maybe the inferior performance that he has to, to Little Women, the other, uh, another one of my favorites of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, he really turned in a good year. Those, the, both of these movies those are, are, those too. are in my top five. Uh, and the the most significant memory I have of Chris Cooper is uh, the two thousand and eleven Muppet movie. Did you ever see that one? No, I know. Oh, dude, kicks so much ass! It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Muppets. Um, he plays his. He plays a very uninteresting villain in the movie. Um, but I love Chris Cooper. Uh, mm-hmm. He was one of my favorite parts of Little Women. Oh, let's. Let, we should talk about uh, Tom Hanks.
0: And his performance, uh, and what we think about that. I think it plays a very interesting role because I think Tom Hanks has had this reputation as like being, uh, in terms of actors, like America's dad or whatever. So mm. we already have this, you know, preconception about him being this warm, uh, wholesome. gentle, wholesome figure, mm-hmm. um, and then him playing this character. It seems like such a perfect match. Yeah. I think it he really channels that same energy, uh-huh. and I think it's really stunning to watch yeah. a lot of the times. I get the scene where um, he is playing Daniel Tiger, and you just see him zoom. The camera just zooms in mm-hmm. on the onto Fred. I think that was such a gorgeous moment because it was yeah. just, like everything. It, it's just all him.
1: You, was is that when he was singing? Um, what do you do with the mad that you feel? You yes. Singing with Lady e- Evelyn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, I think channeling energy is like the perfect way to describe it. Because mm-hmm. Hanks doesn't really look or sound anything like him. No, <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, and th- this is one of the things I love it, and I think it goes into your point about biopics being so by the numbers usually, and how this breaks away from that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, he, he's not even trying to do an impression of him. Right. He's, he's just, he nails Mr. Rogers' pacing.
0: hmm
1: And, like, th- just how slow and socially awkward he is. Like, really, Mr. Rogers is a weirdo, which is one of the reasons why I love him. I love weirdos. Yeah. Uh, like, he is so, like, off, sometimes verging on, like, inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way he behaves and like, mm-hmm. like I, um, in, for all the reasons that I love Mr. Rogers, I think it's a little, um, <laughs> it, it, it's maybe not advisable to take pictures of people without their permission. <laughs> um, uh, although I love that move and I think I want to start doing it, but mm-hmm. asking people's consent first before I take pictures of them. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think in in this year there were a lot of impersonations, rather than performances Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, that sounds kind of pretentious of me (laughs) but I I understand what you mean though yeah definitely Mm. no I think he really nails those mannerisms Mm -hmm. and you mentioned uh, some things are borderline inappropriate like taking the photos and uh, him being real, really slow and methodical and gentle, and that <laughs> annoying all the crew members because he's yeah. just taking his time.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: That's why uh,
1: Mr. Rogers,
0: whether you knew it or not, he is
1: a radical Marxist. Uh, because um, we're not about production and and uh, and and like getting money. We're about care for people. Right. And that is always above profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's your Marxist reading of. people in the neighborhood oh one thing i I didn't realize until this my third viewing last night in preparation for this Mm -hmm. uh is after the the introduction where we get the picture board uh we the first time we meet lloyd after we see his his picture with his broken face Mm -hmm. uh, and he's receiving some award that, that a bunch of magazine people are at he says sometimes we get to change a broken world with our words in his speech, and I—that was the first of a number of things that I, I noticed in this third viewing that are like direct, pretty much explicit foreshadowing for what
0: the movie is really about. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about that line, but that's with doing this piece on Mister Rogers. He was finally able to fix his broken world. Mm-hmm. I think that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh, another mm-hmm. one that comes later—that's
1: kind of meta commentary is when... Uh, it's after he uh, Lloyd has written the article and he's letting his wife read it. And she says, it's not really about Mr. Rogers, is it? And the, that's great meta-commentary on the movie, which is not really about Mr. Rogers. It's, yeah. it's about L- Lloyd, and it's about, mm-hmm. like, what it means to, like, be healed and be a healer
0: mm-hmm. in the world. doop um, doo Definitely, but also, I think it's... I think it's one thing to frame... A movie about Mister Rogers and say like oh he did all these things and he had an impact. Where this movie is actually showing that impact that what he stood for what he valued can have on people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that that was what made that choice so strong.
1: Yeah, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: It kind of reminds me of uh, another one of my favorites from this year, um, Endgame. Uh, Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, wait, no, I guess it was Infinity War, actually. The one that, like, as a, as a strategy to include so many characters is you make Thanos the, the protagonist. Right. <laughs> and, and, like, in a way it's kind of... Uh, I mean, it's, it's not dealing with the same problem, but it's kind of using the same solution, mm-hmm. uh, which is just, like, making the person who, like, at the beginning is... Um, this is this is a dumb take, but I, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> like, the person who at the beginning is the asshole, like, making him the hero of the story, as, like, his his arc is learning to love himself and his dad and his son more fully, mm-hmm. or at all. Should we talk about the most uh, transcendent scene of, of 2019? We haven't even told each other what this scene is, but I think we both know. Oh, we both know. You know that uh, the real... Joanne Rogers is in that scene is she she is she's in the restaurant and I was thinking if um if you're okay with it if we could take a moment to remember the people who have loved us into who we are are you okay with that I am okay with that okay let's do that I didn't realize until my second viewing of *A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood that before that moment that they, sh- they shared, he was talking about Mr. Rogers was talking about uh, the significant harm that Lloyd experienced uh, from his own father. Uh, but, but how the ways that his father mistreated him and his sister and his mom is what gave Lloyd such a strong sense of conviction a strong sense of what's right Mm -hmm. and one way that I fear Mr. Rogers gets misunderstood uh, is that a lot of people think Mr. Roger means for us to not be angry Mm -hmm. and to not express our anger Um, but our anger is what connects us to our conviction and our, our knowing of what's right and wrong. And really, it's simple, and it's hard <laughs> to be able to 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 know when you feel angry and deal with it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Boom! Or, or saying with clear, full eyes, that makes me angry. That's not okay. That is... A skill mm-hmm. that not many people have. No. But it is, uh, I think it is one way forward in, in a world that desperately needs anger.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sorry
1: for preaching it no. uh, no. in
0: general or at you or whatever. No, no, no. no. <laughs>
1: not
0: at all. When you let those feelings bottle up inside you is when conflict with yourself and with everyone else begins to arise. And it's, it is difficult, but something that this movie really does a good job at, at acknowledging is that you need to deal with those feelings Mm -hmm. despite how difficult it is. Yeah. One of my favorite things about Mr. Rogers is
1: how he pays attention to things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, taking pictures is one example of that, that like he does that as a way to remember people. Right. And like, keep them in his heart and in his prayers Uh, but there's so many things Um, like I I love the scene when he's listening to uh, the string quartet play for him Mm -hmm. Uh, just like how like in the same way that when he's talking with Lloyd on the phone and he says you know what the most important thing in the world to me right now is it's talking to Lloyd Vogel on the phone Mm -hmm. the most important thing in the world to him at that moment is listening to the music and like Mm -hmm. Feeling it with his whole body and loving it, uh, and I, I just—I um, think that is one of the, the, the most important lessons that Fred Rogers left us is how to pay attention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and one of my one of my favorite parts of the movie is uh, the first time Lloyd sees him when he, he comes into the studio, and and there's the kid with like the plastic sword, he's swinging it around. And and his parents are embarrassed, and everyone's mad at Fred because he won't stop talking to this kid, and he he knows what that kid feels because he's paying attention. Mm-hmm. He he's aware of like the feeling of insecurity that this kid has. That's that's making him focus on this this thing down here and on something that we all need to feel strong. Uh, and and I think he he saw that in the kid and he he in his paying attention he knew that there was a deeper need underneath there that like he was able to see the strength on the inside that this kid have mm-hmm. kid has and the next thing which is important is that to then have the the courage to say that out loud uh which I I think we could all do uh a lot more when we see the strength that people have on the inside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To speak directly to that. Yeah. The other thing that I, I feel like is kind of a mirror of that scene, uh, that I, I, I love so much, and how like, playful but also aggressive it is. It's another time later on, when Lloyd is is trying to interview Fred. Uh, it's when Fred brings out the puppets,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this scene is so interesting to me in all the ways that Lloyd is trying to provoke. Fred Rogers. It's like I read it as uh, Lloyd just cannot bring himself to believe that Mr. Rogers or anybody in the world can actually be this nice. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to like coax him into like getting angry and, right. and saying something. that to mean. push his buttons, mm-hmm. and Lloyd is just being so awful. Yeah. Uh it's like it like it was it was kind of hard to watch just like a person be that mean to someone talking about like his relationship with his sons and like mm-hmm. taking such personal jabs. And Mr. Rogers uh I think in the same way that he was able to see the inner strength that this kid has uh that that's just underneath, just on the sub level of this kid's self-awareness. In the same way he's able to see the hurt that Lloyd has that leads to his level of distrust of someone like Fred Mm -hmm. and rather than react negatively to the anger that he has, like the injustice that Lloyd is projecting onto Fred, Mr. Rogers is able to like see what's going on just on the sub level with Lloyd and like rather than as a reaction to how, how terribly Lloyd is treating him, Speak to the hurt that's just underneath there. Mm-hmm. And that is so, like, masterful. That's, like, in a nutshell, uh, what I feel like it, it it can and should mean to be a pastor. Is to know what's what's just underneath.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And speak to that. At least that, that's my inspiration. Mm-hmm. This is a very personal problem for you. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it totally is not the best movie of 2019. It is without a doubt my favorite. <laughs> that's totally okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My All of my uh, my habits and... Uh, habit is the wrong word. All of how I rank movies is so aggressively sentimental. <laughs> and I have no shame at all whatsoever.
0: That, uh, that's totally okay. Yeah. There's no right, <laughs> wrong way to
1: watch movies. Mm, mm. Another one of my favorite parts is uh, this is the last scene we see with with jerry it's it's uh um, the anything that's human is mentionable and mentionable
0: mm-hmm. and
1: anything mentionable is manageable yeah. that's that's another noticing and the courage to say it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think a lot of us uh, when we see someone who's afraid. Or hurt or feeling, feeling shame or any kind of distress uh, we can be hesitant and I think it's a good impulse because we want to protect people but we can be hesitant to care for someone who's in pain uh, because we're afraid of aggravating that or causing more or maybe it just makes us uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, but Mr. Rogers knows the art of, of seeing the pain that's evident in a room like that and just offering kindness oftentimes that can just be validating that yeah this does hurt mm-hmm. this does suck and i'm sorry but it's manageable
0: mm-hmm.
1: we can we can do this we don't have to be afraid right one the thing about that though um in the trailer i don't know if you caught this or if you you remember or have watched the trailer recently that scene where mr rogers gets into the car and he does the sign language for friend again mm-hmm. um, in the trailer there's a scene that was cut where Lloyd just kind of like falls into Mr. Rogers' arms and hugs him and
0: I think I remember do you remember that? that. Yeah.
1: yeah when I when I first saw the trailer I was so excited and just that like that little uh, that little bit just made me weep <laughs> watch, watching the trailer mm-hmm. I'm sad that it wasn't in there but I, I like the moment of of a uh, friend mm-hmm. in sign language I'm I'm curious. Did you, I, I? think I, I saw on Letterboxd, You saw it at the,
0: at the Crest, right? I did. Yeah. Did you see it j- uh, just the one time, or just just once? Yeah. yeah. I really. Um, I always intend to see movies right before we're about this to um, to record a podcast, but I wasn't able to. Oh man! Week. But there was a lot that I still picked up from it. At least I think. Yeah. Uh, what, what was
1: it like uh, seeing it at the Crest? Oh, um the crest maybe we should say is like a small theater in Shoreline. Yeah. It plays a lot of the movies that pass on pretty quick through the big chain movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Like Harriet was playing there. Pain and Glory was playing there when no, I other, saw it there no other big theater was. I loved Pain and Glory so much. Pain and Glory is one Goddamn of my favorites much. of um, last year for sure. I, I I was rooting for Antonio Banderas so hard. Anyways, I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> That's good. yeah. Uh, what was it like watching Mr. Rogers at the Crest? I don't know. It was the
0: second movie I'd ever seen at that theater. Really?
1: Yeah. After Pain and Glory? After Cats.
0: Hell yeah! <laughs>
1: Come on! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about! <laughs> Oh, I would love to see Cats at the Crest. Oh. Oh.
0: Let's go see Cats at the Crest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's still is playing. It still play- if it's still but, playing, we're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm down. It was packed. Yeah. It was a 2.30 showing on a Friday, and I was by far the youngest person there. <laughs> that's the Crest, yeah. That's, that's the Crest. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think just seeing this movie, the big screen, is such a like transcendental experience. Mm. Cause it just really, it overwhelms you cause it really forces you to not forces. I don't like that word, but it really confronts you about your own feelings Mm -hmm. and about why you're feeling them. Mm -hmm. and Just saying it's going to suck, but you'll be okay. Yeah. Like it'll be manageable. (laughs) And I love how, despite that, like despite it bringing out so much emotion in me and in, like everyone who sees it. None of the emotions in the movie are so overstated or like it's, it's everything is so just beneath the surface. Yeah. I think that's such a good parallel with what you were talking about with being a good pastor is discovering that layer beneath the surface. Mm-hmm.
1: I List, think that was, listening
0: for it. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Cause
1: it, I mean, yeah, God, I love this movie. Like it, cause it's there. Like it's like the subtext is text yeah Uh, and it's true in this movie it's true in real life Mm -hmm. like we're all saying how we feel without saying how we feel Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, and I I think my training at least like where I've delighted in my training and and my my program at the Seattle School has been learning to listen uh, for what's what's being said Mm -hmm. while not being said Um, I saw it at the crest as well First, I saw it at a uh, some regal theater. I can't remember which one the first time though when I saw it at a regal theater uh there were oh, there was almost nobody there mm-hmm. uh there was like yeah it was it was it was very small there were maybe like ten to twelve people in the theater, and I was a mess like I was just like truly bawling truly ugly crying um when I saw it at the crest, I was Kind of disappointed, cause yeah. like at the scene when uh, Mr. Rogers brings out the puppets and is talking about Old Rabbit. Uh, also, like yeah, it's the cress. It is a lot of old folks. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was laughing at that part, and I was like, "How can you be laughing at this? Like this is so like devastating." But like it was just because of like the voices that Mr. Rogers was doing mm-hmm. and like talking about Old Rabbit. But, yeah, when, when that scene came up on my first viewing at a big theater, I was, and, like, it does the close-up on Daniel Tiger, even as I think about it. Like, I start to well up a little bit. It was, like, it was stunning. Like, I, like staring directly at Daniel Tiger, which I think is a reflection of staring directly at uh, Mr. Rogers breaking the fourth wall in the most transcendent scene of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, was so, it wrecked me. <laughs> it it just like it slayed me completely, and people were laughing, and I I was I was really like I was sad. I feel I I think like
0: I don't know. People can have whatever experience they want to have <laughs> when they watch any movie, but it almost feels like when uh, when they laugh at such a crucial moment like that that they're not taking what the filmmaker intended that moment to be. Maybe or maybe Possibly. maybe I missed it. I don't know. I I think I. I don't remember anything being particularly funny in this movie. <laughs> so. There were a couple
1: moments. Um gosh there were oh, when uh Mr. Rogers comes to visit them and uh and Dorothy is just like holy crap when he oh, walks yeah. in the door <laughs> and uh Todd asks him if he's if he was a sharpshooter or whatever. I laughed at those moments. Mm-hmm. Um or he's like, Hi Mr. Rogers like oh, Yeah. That's cute. <laughs> um Another question I have is, uh, what do you think about Lloyd's fever dream?
0: Oh, I loved it. Did you like it? I, I really loved that. Scene. I think
1: that's one of the more controversial parts of the movie. Is it? I don't. I, I. Maybe I'm making that up, but I feel like for some people that's like, it. It's just like weird. I don't know. But Mr. Rogers is weird. Whatever. Like, love what you love. I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I'm making stuff up who knows i thought that was a really cool way for because you know how much that it's just like eating him up inside Mm -hmm. i've never seen like a fever dream scene like that in a biopic i think that's such a cool thing i don't know Uh, yeah what are you what are your thoughts about it
1: um (laughs) i just i just like that he's old rabbit that he has the ears (laughs) i don't know like that and um the part when he 's like waking up in his bed and for a minute he kind of like flashes in and out as himself and daniel tiger
0: mm-hmm.
1: like it's it's on the nose like it 's super on the nose, but i, right. I, I like it it's mm.
0: i just I, I mean I love everything about this movie um so whatever <laughs> yeah. on the nose does not mean bad, yeah you know, especially if they 're yeah. really trying to drive home a point it, like it, it, they're re- like i don 't really see a problem in that yeah. unless they're the movie thinks it's being super subtle, but it doesn't really have to uh-huh. in this case, I don't think. Yeah. Well, it's like what's happening in that scene. It's like
1: he's learning from Mr. Rogers puppets and his wife, is lady Eveline, like mm-hmm. just how to say I'm sad. Like, right. <laughs> that, Cause that's like such an unspeakable thing for, for so many men that, uh, Mm-hmm. that Lloyd is an archetype for not to just say men I think we all struggle with with our emotions to mm-hmm. some degree no matter what our gender is right um, but I think this is an important movie for men in all the ways that we've been enculturated and socialized mm-hmm. to uh,
0: Trained to, to man up yeah to just brush all your feelings under the rug mm-hmm. because they d- they don't matter yeah and I feel like or
1: also that, like, maybe anger is the only real emotion that you're allowed to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which really, I, I think, so few men really actually experience. Like, yeah. it's, it's usually just rage. It's, like, our hurt and our fear getting mixed up with our shame and, like, exploding on the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, when real anger, I, I feel, is much more
0: like a rare experience yeah
1: it's, mm-hmm. it's it's more it's more focused on like our attunement to the injustice of the world mm-hmm. um, typically which I, I think I, I'm hopeful for for more men to get in touch with mm-hmm.
0: and I think this movie is an amazing model for it yeah I think it's a great stepping stone to acknowledging those issues
1: mm-hmm. yeah one thing we could talk about is uh, Jerry's character and I, I I didn't realize until this third viewing, just how hard he's trying, mm-hmm. and and also failing. <laughs> like, it's 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 really easy when you're just hanging out with Mr. Rogers, um, at least for me, uh, to be like, oh yeah, feelings we all have them. Like let's talk about them. But then, in the scene where Jerry has this heart attack uh, when Lloyd walks in on he and Dorothy in there with his wife and Gavin, like, that to me is such a shock of what it feels like, like for me personally to be in school where I talk about feelings a lot or when I'm like doing my work, which which is about like, at least in my mind, listening for what's just underneath, what's Mm -hmm. being said by not being said, uh, to just think about emotions and and what they mean and, and how to respond thoughtfully. Uh, but then, when I go home <laughs> and, and uh see my family, it's like it all goes out the window like mm-hmm. uh it's it's so it's so messy like we just play those roles again uh but it's it's honorable from the beginning, even though he's bad at it, <laughs> that Jerry is like making an effort mm-hmm. uh his, and his his daughter says that at her wedding that like hey, he's making an effort, and if he if he wants to come then like i'll let him try right uh and i guess both jerry and lloyd kind of screw that up mm-hmm. uh together uh, but yeah like doing this kind of healing work that mr rogers is inviting us to it's not always pretty It it is usually messy and we we fail a lot mm-hmm. failure is our greatest teacher somebody said that i bet um Sounds like a quote from a
0: movie, maybe. Yeah, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Surprising cinematic parallel. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. X, The Last Jedi. There you go. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: Hell yeah. So
1: we've hit uh, Mr. Rogers, Star Wars, and Endgame. All
0: on the same podcast. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think the movie does bring up those similar themes though of when it comes to betting yourself and and acknowledging and placing what's directly underneath, so much of that is just yourself and your shame of yourself Mm -hmm. and your hatred of what you were or your fear of what you're going to become and I feel like while all those seem like such separate entities you are the way you are because of the way you were Mm. Mm. And that's something that I've really started to grow to acknowledge because there'll be times where I would sit in shame and think about all the dumb stuff that I did back years ago. And then I just have to acknowledge that I'm only here and I'm only the way I am now because I was like that for better or worse whether I made the wrong decisions or right decisions, I am right here Mm -hmm. and I am like that because I did those things. Mm. So I think just to be proactive and to acknowledge what you are, who you are Mm -hmm. to become, who you are to become, Mm -hmm. to be better.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And -hmm. a lot of that takes acknowledging your anger and your fear. And that's okay. It's okay to feel those things. Like, I love how that movie reminded me how Beautiful the Neighborhood reminded me of those things. Mm-hmm.
1: One of my um, some words that I, I live by is uh, that it's it's important to say the obvious things. I think the obvious things often go unsaid mm-hmm. and we, we assume that because they're obvious that um, they'll just we'll think of them and, so they exist, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, something that I think might be obvious, um, but it's in the same way that Lloyd had to learn how important it is to say the obvious thing, that sometimes when I'm afraid I get angry, mm-hmm. even though it, it feels awkward to say it, I think it's important for us to say that uh, even those, those parts of us, those uses who live in the past, but also live inside of us and that we're so ashamed of and that we're so disgusted by mm-hmm. so often, like, we have to learn how to love that. I have to learn how to love the, the 14-year-old Sam who didn't know how to talk to girls and uh, was, like, didn't pay attention in school or was mean to uh, his friends and his, his mom and dad, his brother is, like, that Sam who I, like, am so annoyed with still to this day. I have to, I, I, I really do need to take that step of, like, patting him on the back and telling him, like, hey, I love you.
0: Sometimes it feels like part of us is just, just discontent.
1: hmm
0: And it's because we have stuff that we haven't dealt with ourselves, with about ourselves. hmm like, I feel like when I do that, it's from a deeper insecurity about myself that I am working on, and I'm working to love about myself, and it's mm. really difficult. Mm. But
1: is there anything? Is there is, is there anything like practical, actionable that
0: that you do to to try and make room for that for yourself? I always just write everything that I'm feeling down in my notes on my phone like if there's a if there's a negative thought what I like to do is type it out and then delete the message Mm. Mm. like these are what my thoughts were but that's not who I am yeah that's beautiful (laughs) thank you it's really cool this became way less about the movie and more just about our personal attachment to it. But that's, uh, <laughs> I love that we haven't had an episode this emotional before.
1: Oh,
0: well. So thank you for bringing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, this is uh, like I said, my,
1: my way of both uh, rating and ranking and thinking about movies is
0: aggressively sentimental. Okay. So
1: <laughs> that's
0: one of the reasons why, um, my favorite movie of last year was A Hidden Life from Terrence I still Malick. haven't seen it. Oh! Yeah. That is at the top of my list of movies I still need to see. It is so year. beautiful. Oh, and I love Terrence Malick. I, I haven't seen any other movies from him. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen Tree oh. of Life. I haven't seen The Red Line. I haven't seen any of those. I'm
1: containing myself and my excitement <laughs> and, and saying... I'm very
0: excited for you to see Tree of Life.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Everyone says it's a masterpiece, and it's, uh, it's very good. It's very. Good. I haven't seen it, but I'm inclined to believe them. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, that's that's our homework then. Is I'll see Hidden Life, and you see Tree of Life. That's right. Beautiful. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm gonna have to watch this movie again too. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, do it, please. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean. It uh it's my favorite movie of twenty nineteen and it's not close. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's I I really, really loved it. And mm-hmm. I I don't know, I was thinking about it as I was uh as I was watching it last night and, and thinking about our interview and uh your feelings about Joker. Like um it's it's just um <laughs> In a in a world <laughs> in which Walking uh, Phoenix wins Best Actor for Joker, we we need <laughs> movies like Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, we need. Uh, I so one hundred percent agree with we, that we statement. We need heart. <laughs> we need
0: kindness and goodness. Uh. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh. I'm sure I'm sure that's another reason why you love little women. But oh, little dude. little women is just so warm, Ugh. so graceful. It's just yeah. yeah. And so is this. So is this. One hundred percent. Oh man. Do I have any closing thoughts? Actually I have a question for you. So if that was your number one, is is little little women your number two or <laughs> uh, this is uh,
1: I mean you can check my letterbox, uh, and I'm I refuse to be ashamed about it but Avengers Endgame is my number two movie last year. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'm not ashamed. Uh, You shouldn't be ashamed.
0: Yeah. um, I love that movie too. It's one of my favorites of the MCU by far. Yeah.
1: It's, it's without a doubt my favorite, obviously. I mean, if it's my, if it's my number two on any (laughs) of of a year, I just, I think it, uh, like, it's, it, it, it is in its ideal form. Like, it's a miracle that the MCU happened the way it did obviously and it's a miracle that that movie exists yeah and that it told that story the way that it did mm-hmm. and and even though it didn't like represent every character uh as well as i would have hoped it still like yeah i mean i'm sen- i'm a sentimental bitch like <laughs> i love i'm i live for pathos like and the, the choices they made and how they ended Tony Stark's and Steve Rogers' uh, arcs is exquisite chef's kiss perfection in yeah. my mind. Uh, and it, with all of its like, sloppy superhero flaws, like I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say my, my third favorite movie of the year did not get the love it deserved, and it is a masterpiece, and it's Blinded by the Light. Uh, oh, I it, never saw that, dude. I freaking love Blinded by the Light. If only just for one scene, and I'm not gonna say anything, but it's the scene where, um, like, uh, I, I I don't think I can even say it. It's just, I love it. I I love Blinded by the Light. I, it it um is just it's great. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all I'm gonna say.
0: That movie <laughs> was at SIF last year. I didn't get to check it out, and then when it came to wide release. It got like a little bit of buzz for maybe a week or two, and yeah. then it just completely died out. I never heard anyone talk about it. Uh-huh. It never got brought up in anyone's mm. like top ten. I
1: saw that and Peanut Butter Falcon as a double feature, oh. and there those are like, I, I mean, I live for wholesome entertainment, and <laughs> those are <laughs> like just two of the most wholesome movies uh, I've, I've ever seen. I love them
0: so much that's they, another one I, I still need to see is oh, falcon dang dude yeah there's so much that yeah. I still haven't seen yeah, man. this year I didn't even get to see this movie until after I made my top 10 list yeah. what an amazing year for movies though gosh one like, of the best that I've ever I mean I haven't been on this planet very long and I haven't <laughs> been invested in movies for that long either yeah, but same actually yeah. I think it's yeah I think it's the best that I've lived through uh-huh. for sure yeah. I, I'm still so stunned by that Parasite best picture when like yeah. they finally got it right. Oh, what a beautiful gift that was. That was wonderful. Yeah. The
1: Oscar gods are surely going to punish us for that brief glimpse of delight for the, yeah. <laughs> the next decade. <laughs> but I at mean, least we have that.
0: It's it's um, gonna it's gonna shift back and forth. Sometimes we'll get moonlight and, and parasite, other right. times we'll get green book. Oh you my know? god. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, you can't win them yeah, all. Yeah, is there anything you're looking forward to in 2020? Ooh, um, I think the thing that I my mind instantly goes to is Doom, yeah, from Denis Villeneuve because I really love Denis Villeneuve. Me too. I think he's going to do a lot of really cool things with that movie. We'll see. Yeah, I've never read the book, but one of my friends is a huge fan of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and Arrival is one of my is, is is I think it was my number one. What was it? 2017. Twice. 20- Twenty eighteen?
0: I want to say twenty sixteen
1: actually. Twenty sixteen? I could be wrong. It might have been my favorite of twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um I love Arrival. So so do I. Yeah. I think it's incredible. Yeah. But he's yeah, Denis Villeneuve. He's great. Yeah.
0: Did um, you ever see Blade Runner twenty forty nine?
1: Dude. I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine. <laughs> I was I think it's better God. than the original. I agree with you. Yeah. Like I don't and I don't think it's close um, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I probably the only reason I can say that is because I don't have sentimental attach attack, attachment uh, to the first one, mm-hmm. and I just, like, if you're offended by uh, how much more that I
0: love 2049 than the original, I don't know, check your privilege, whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I actually don't think it's, it's
0: as much of a hot take as I originally thought it was, because yeah. I've been talking in talking to other film fans I I've met a lot of people that seem to feel the same way yeah. it makes me feel validated yeah. so it's so yeah. sad
1: that it didn't do well in the box office cuz no I mean I mean it's like it it's in my opinion I think it's great because of Roger Deakins most of all the cinematographer like he's not like going to not get jobs like obviously he did 1917 this year which I loved mm. I would have been happy if 1917 won best picture in fact I picked it but right. I'm I'm so glad that that Parasite was won. that
0: was my pick. Um, I I picked or no, no. What I what I do when I do my Oscar ballots uh-huh. is I I do a different picture and a different director. And I said *Parasite* was going to get picture, but that um, Sam Mendes was going to get director.
1: Because
0: mm. I feel like it's mm. rare that they that they pick the same picture and director, especially for a foreign film. If mm. a foreign film's involved, because I think the year before that. When Green Book won, Alfonso Cuarón won for Roma. Right. Which I would have loved to see one Best Picture also, or yeah. The Favorite, because The Favorite's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> but Did you see The Lobster, the other? Yeah. The yeah, one? I really like that, too. Yeah,
1: they're great. Yeah.
0: He's such a weirdo. I love him.
1: <laughs> I haven't
0: seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, I've heard. Me neither. Yeah, but I've heard great things about that, too. It seems a lot, it seems a lot darker than the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but uh yeah do you have any closing thoughts before you wrap up oh <sighs> Jim Sam I like you just the way you are I like you just the way you are Sam thank you this is the most wholesome episode of the UW Film Club podcast so far <laughs> it also happens to be the 69th
1: hell yeah Ninth. nice
0: Nice! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> you got to cap it off with a little amateur joke, but I oh, love it. Please. Um, so good. <laughs> Sam, thank you so so much for bringing one a beautiful day in the neighborhood with us. Yeah. And uh, it's
1: my pleasure. Yeah, it was thanks. my pleasure talking
0: to you. Yeah, thanks
1: for thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Is it all right if I uh, plug something? Sure. Uh, ch- free, f- uh, feel free to check out uh, the, my, the podcast that I host. It's called Prophecy Guys, uh, colon, The Gospel According to Buffy. It's a show in which me and, and my best friend watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the old TV show from the 90s and early 2000s by Joss Whedon, through the lenses of theology, philosophy, and artistry. Uh, So if you have interest in uh one of th- the most storied, uh, interesting serialized TV series ever made and theological, philosophical, psychological, and uh, artistic musings on what it has to teach us now in The Year of Our Lord 2020, uh, you can check that out on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if it's wherever podcasts are found, but it's at least
0: there. Yeah right? I know. I'll be checking it out. Nice. Have you ever watched Buffy before? No, I haven't. It's a good show. But maybe I'll, I'll watch along. Cause you said that, um, we're when in when season three right now. So it's episode by episode. We watch it episode by
1: episode. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't always hold up. Uh, but sometimes
0: it really does. <laughs> I will be watching that. I'll be listening to your podcast. I'll, I, I'll try to do, I'll watch an episode, then go to the podcast, and then watch. Maybe that yeah. might, might not be the most efficient way to no, do it. No, that's the way to do it. That's the okay. way to do it. Okay. Yeah. I guess that goes for our listeners, too. That's the most efficient way to, to do that. <laughs> if you haven't seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer yet, and you want to listen to this podcast, there you go. So if you're listening to this podcast, you already know this, but you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and then you can find out on our Facebook for more information at UW Film Club, as well as our Twitter and Instagram at Film Club UW. And we will catch you guys next week, guys. Bye-bye.